Hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. Good morning, Vibrant Church. How we doing? Come on. Glad to see you all in the house of the Lord. So glad that you are here. Um, Once again, I want to echo Nate's thoughts. Let's give it up like crazy for all of our first-time guests today. Come on, let's do it. Love it. And uh, so today we uh, we have a brand new member right here in the church, a brand new member of Vibrant Church. I want to meet a new member. The Gonzalez family have brought Wiley Gonzalez. Come on, I know Wiley's, Wiley's sleeping, but can you just stand up just a little bit and maybe just show? Come on, come on, Wiley. So proud of mom and dad. How old, how old is he now? Four weeks, come on, in the house of God. That's awesome. Let's give it up for our family. I love it. Love it so much. Thank you so much for being here. Before we dive into the message, um, really quickly, I, I want to um, I, I want to share something with you. So when we planted Vibrant Church, when we were going to plant Vibrant, the very first family that actually reached out to us, and um, that was we didn't reach out to them. They reached out to us. They heard about Vibrant, and they're like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna move." I feel like God's calling us to be a part of this thing. It was actually a Brady and Sarah sticker. Anybody love Brady and Sarah? Brady and Sarah have been a huge part of Vibrant Church from the beginning. Well, uh, with all of our launch team, we asked them and said, hey, what do you feel like the Lord is calling you to do uh, inside of Vibrant Church? And for them, it was student ministry. They really felt called to student ministry. And so I don't know if you know this, but if you don't walk into an established student ministry, building a student ministry off like from the ground is sometimes more challenging than launching an entire church from the ground, okay? Student ministry is incredibly different, difficult because it's culture-based. And so if you don't have a culture that you're leaning on to take over and build, you, you're building it from, from scratch. And so Brady and Sarah took that, uh, that challenge on. And from the beginning, they have built an incredible program with vibrant students. Vibrant students, let me hear from you. Where you at? Brady and Sarah, why don't y'all come out here on the stage? Come on. Y'all love Brady and Sarah. And so Brady and Sarah have served Vibrant students incredibly and have grown an incredible program to where now they have services that, uh, every month called Vibe Night, which is actually tonight at 5 p.m. Students, I'm giving you a plug right here. And, uh, and then life groups throughout the week. And we have some ch- such a strong student ministry because of the amazing leadership of Brady and Sarah Sticker. And so, but that being said, a few months ago, Brady came to me and was like, man, Pastor Michael, I, I feel like... The Lord is uh, working on me and wants me to transition out of student ministry. His uh, church marketing business has really taken off and, um, and, and he does so many things for the kingdom on the marketing side of things. And so uh, that being said, we started praying about a transition and, and one thing I wanted to clarify here is they're not moving away, okay? They're here. <laughs> 
They're not moving away. They are here, they bought a house. If you're a realtor, you're not allowed to list their house ever. <laughs> ever, all right, just, no, okay. Uh, but, unless they wanna move to a bigger house here. Okay, all right, so that's awesome. So that being said, we started praying about a transition. And you know what? Just as soon as we started talking and praying about a transition, an amazing couple came into our lives. And that amazing couple is Nate and Victoria Vega. Can y'all go ahead and come out on the stage? Nate and Tori have come into our lives. And I'll tell you, um, the thing that has ministered to me as the pastor of seeing this transition happen has been how close you guys are. Like there's a bromance between these two that is slightly unhealthy. Uh, no, I'm just <laughs> I love how y'all, you can stand with them. It's okay, you can do that. I love how, I love how y'all love each other. Well, inside of that, their, their leadership styles are very similar. And so that being said, I am very happy and proud to announce that we're gonna be transitioning in our student ministry from Brady and Sarah as our student pastors. They're gonna transition out and do some other roles in our church. And you'll see Brady leading more prominently in other areas. Uh, but Nate and Tori are going to take over as our student pastors of Vibrant Church, of Vibrant Students. If y'all love this, can you stand up on your feet? Let's honor honor both of these amazing couples. You guys, you guys are so amazing. You can be seated. Um, first off, I just want to let you guys know that, um, not that there's anything inherently wrong with moving away. Like, I know that's kind of a sore subject for us right yes, now. There is. Um, but we are not going anywhere. This is our home. We're still going to be serving here. You're still going to see us. Um, like, you can't get rid of us that easily. Uh, we're just stepping into a new season of our lives. And what's crazy is literally the same month that you guys started coming to Vibrant, our church marketing company, like, started taking off. And, like, it was, we know it was a God thing. And so uh, we love you guys, Nate and Victoria, so much. We love Vibrant students so much. We love Vibrant so much. This is our home. We're not going anywhere. Uh, everything's still good, but like between us, like nothing's wrong. Like I want to just clarify that. It's sad that I have to clarify that in today's day and yeah. age. Um, but anyways, you know, this is just a new season of life for us. And uh, we're just so excited to see what God is going to do through Nate and Tori with Vibrant Students. So let's give it up for them one more time. Uh, I took up a lot of time today, so I'm going to be quick. <laughs> um, you guys may be seated as well. I didn't say that earlier. <laughs> Anyways, um, man, to be honest with you, I think the one word that could sum it all up is we're thrilled. I mean, it, it's something that has been on my heart, man, probably since I was like 17 years old. And um, I think more than how excited we are to kind of take this on, I think, you know, Brady and Sarah deserve a lot of honor because I've been a part of a couple youth transitions in you know, my time in ministry, and this is by far one of the healthiest, most easy, and absolutely blessed transitions I've ever been a part of. And wow. uh, it's just a testament to your faithfulness and your character as who you guys are, and, and we all know it. And, and I think that God is honestly publicly blessing the private faithfulness and, and just the work that y'all have done when nobody's seen it. And so, man, I, from this stage, I want to honor you guys. And, and honestly, dude, Sky's the limit, and, and it's just, let's get to work, you know? So um, with that being said, we love you guys, and we're, we're pumped. So anyways. Awesome. 
Give it up one more time, incredible couples. The future is bright at Vibrant Church. Love y'all very much, love y'all. The future is very, very bright. Vibrant students, sixth through 12th grade, come on tonight, five o'clock. Um, they won't allow me to come, I'm too old now. So, um, so yeah, they kicked me out. I aged out and I say, you know what? I'm the pastor of this church, I'll come where I want to. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not going to show up and ruin your party. It's all good. I'm glad that you are here. Uh, one more thing that I do want to tell you about Easter is coming up very, very quickly. And um, our church is growing very, very quickly. If you look around, there's not just a ton of empty seats left. And I've got something exciting to tell you about. On Easter Sunday, we are going to be going to two services starting Easter Sunday, 9, 15, and 11 o'clock. Two worship opportunities. I want to encourage you. If you're not on a team, jump on a team. Worship one, serve one. It's a perfect time to get on a team. Well, Pastor Michael, I don't want to miss church. You don't have to. Worship one, serve one. You get to be a part of this. So uh, that being said, go to next after church today. Amen. Step one. Uh, let's dive into this series. I am pumped about this series. Super excited about it. The good book. Everybody say the good book. God's word. The most controversial book in history. Uh, you know, I read something that convicted me uh, that kind of led me down this road of starting this series, and I want to share it with you. It says this, a generation that loves their church more than their Bible will eventually only love the caricature of the God that they create. I'm going to say that again because we need to swallow that one, okay? We need to digest that, all right? A generation that loves their church more than their Bible, will eventually only love the caricature of the God that they create. Well, then I started seeing things in coaching people. I'd ask them, hey, what's going on? How are you doing? Well, Pastor Michael, I've got this thing or that thing going on in my life. Life is not good. And I started asking this question, and I'm in my coaching time. I started asking this question, how's your quiet time going? Well, quiet time, of course, Pastor. I take naps. It's going good. What does that have to do with anything? I take naps. No, I'm talking about your quiet time with God. I noticed that every person that I asked that had an issue personally, professionally, maybe they were offended, they, they, maybe it was faith-related, they were struggling with doubt, they were not doing well in their quiet time. They were not doing well. And this quote I told you earlier just kept beating me in the head. Here's the thing. Sure, people love the church. They love to worship. This worship team was on fire this morning. I just, they love the groups here at Vibrant Church. They love everything. But if we don't love the word of God, eventually the only thing we will love is the caricature of God that we create. That is what the Bible calls an idol. It's an idol. Why? Because if you want to know who God is, you've got to know his word. You've got to know his word. If you're going to love and know the character of God, you have to know where his character comes from. And that is find, found inside of the Bible. And so that led me to this journey of where I wanted to take four weeks. And I just want to put it all out on the table. We might get it done in three, but right now I'm planning on four. What, what is the Bible? What's it about? What, why can we trust it? What does it say about today, about tomorrow? And what do I do with it? What do I do with it? The, the Holy Bible. You know, I truly believe the Bible is a special book. It is a special book. I truly believe that it's set apart 
and it's holy. But did you know that the word Bible simply means book? That's all it means. Biblios in the Greek. There's a city called Biblos, and they were the number one exporter of papyrus, paper, okay? So that's where books were bound and sent from. But it's not just the Bible. It's not just a book. When you look on your Bible, it doesn't just say the Bible. It says the Holy Bible. It's a Holy Bible. It's hagios in the Greek. It's ordained by God. It's infallible. Theodore Roosevelt said it this way, a thorough knowledge of the Bible is worth more than a college education. I wish that would just get on our spirit a little bit. You know, I've been preaching for, I've been preaching the Holy Bible for 18 years of my life now. Over half my life, I've been preaching the Bible. I remember a day that when I would preach, I wouldn't grab my iPad and we didn't have big screens um, that, you know, that we put scriptures on, but everyone ha- would have a real paper Bible that, and I would like as a preacher have to wait for people to turn to the text in the service. And there would always be that one lady in the back right there in Durant, Mississippi. What chapter was that again? Like there would always be that one. Everybody had a Bible in church. Everybody did. We all had a Bible. I, I, you know, I, I almost, uh, I talked with my team about this, but uh, we, we wanted to start a campaign called We're Bringing Paper Back. <laughs> but Justin Timberlake said he was going to sue us, so I didn't do it. But, um, but everybody used to have a Bible in church. Now hardly anyone does because we've made it so easy. We made it so easy. We put all this, the scriptures on the screen. Our production team does an amazing job prepping that. I send them my notes and they make it all happen. They make it look all beautiful because my notes are not beautiful. And it's awesome. It's great. But understanding in this series is going to be huge for you and I. It's going to be huge, okay, for, to, for you to consume this series. But for you to get to that, let me start with one scripture. Colossians 3 and 16. This is the ESV. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Everybody say dwell. For you to understand the scripture and understand and be able to have a context of whether it's actually valid or whether it's actually relevant, you've got to let it dwell in you. I see way too many people that want to question the validity of the Bible but have never opened the Bible. I'm sorry, I'm meddling. I've got an illustration for you. I've got right up here from our awesome cafe. Anybody love our cafe? You love cafe? I've got some very hot water. In fact, I'm gonna put it down because it's a little hot. Very hot water. And then I have what, I have tea bags here. And so obviously many of you that you love tea. Um, How many tea drinkers? Tea drinkers, all right. I am not a tea drinker. So uh, Lord bless you. Uh, But I, the way that you make tea, you take the tea and you take some hot water and, and you just kind of put it in the water and you dip it. Now, if I just take one little dip in this hot water and then I take it out and put it on the table, I wish you could see it, but it doesn't quite look like water anymore, but it doesn't quite look like tea either. So what happens, Christians, a lot of times is we take our we take Sundays, and that's a dip. Oh, it's got tea in it, but I'm not sure you could call it tea. That's not dwelling in us richly, right? 
for you to truly to get the understanding that you need in this series, church, you just can't take a clip of it or a verse of it and take, well, I heard that one scripture that Pastor Michael preached and I don't agree with that. You've got to dwell. You gotta take more than one dip. You gotta take a few more dips because the Bible is meant to be bread for daily use, not cake for special occasions. Today is gonna be super practical. Is that okay? I'm gonna be very teachy. I'm gonna put my teacher hat on and can I disciple you? Can I pastor you a little bit? Is that all right? Can I do that? I wanna put that on. I want you to understand what the Bible is today. We'll talk about some other history stuff next week and all my history nerds, get ready. Next week's your week. And so, um, but the Holy Bible is the most translated book in the world. It's also the most read book in the world. Also, fun fact, it's also the most shoplifted book in the world, believe it or not. And so um, let me help you take some dips today. Let me help you take some dips. Here's some practical steps that you need to do to get 100% out of this series. Out of this series, Alan, help me really fast. In my office, on my desk, there's my paper Bible. Grab it for me. Number one, the first thing I want you to get, the first thing I want you to get is a paper Bible. Everybody say, get a paper Bible. Let me encourage you at the beginning of this, for you to truly discover what this thing is all about, you need a real paper Bible. Now, if you don't have money to get it, you let one of our staff know and I'll buy it. Okay? Nobody in this church is gonna go without a paper Bible. Thank you. Look, that's a good looking assistant. Vanna White ain't got nothing on him. This is my paper Bible. It's the one that my daddy got me when I was 16 years old. My study Bible, I use at home. I don't leave, that one doesn't leave my house. But this one right here is a King James version. My dad got the big text because I got bad eyes. Come on. All right. I mean, you can read that thing from the back row. Come on, that's bigger than that screen. All right, this is my paper Bible. There's a huge question that many of you have, and to be honest with you, it's a valid one. With all the, what's the deal with all the translations of the Bible? What, why do we have so many translations? There are so many different people writing, and some people seem to imply that because we have so many translations, it cannot be accurate if there's that, that many translations. It just cannot be. The first thing that you've got to understand, and it might be a little elementary, but I need to remind you if you don't know, is that the Bible was not written in English. Okay, just making sure that you knew. It was written primarily in two languages, Greek and Hebrew. And it was written thousands of years ago. It was not written in English, but the common thought culturally is that over thousands of years, what has happened is translations have diluted the Bible and that it can't be trusted. Essentially like it was a big game of telephone from one generation to the next and people look at it like, I mean, if you do a little game of telephone within five people, your message will be a little distorted. Uh, But that's not actually what happened historically. Because as we know in 2022, just because it's a narrative does not mean it's a true narrative, right? We still have original manuscripts of the, the original text, and they are translating the Bible from those manuscripts. Even the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls validated the transcripts that were used to make the translations that you and I use. It proves that they are accurate and were truly written in the day. 
We have translations that we use because we're American and, and many of us, most of us speak English as a primary, primary language. Uh, we have dozens of English translations and we're very blessed because of that. There are 3,752 languages currently that do not have one translation of the Bible in their language. That is how blessed we are to have our translations. Now, I wanna tell you that part of your missions giving every month, 10% of everything that you give goes out from here. And part of our missions giving goes to an organization that, that, an organization that has a goal by 2035 to eliminate that, that every language would have a Bible translation for them. And so you give to that right now. That's cool, isn't it? Now, you have a lot of choices. There's a lot of English translations, a lot of them. You get to read the translation that makes the most sense to you. Let me help you make the most sense of these translations. I know that you're thinking, man, I don't understand what these are. I'm gonna give them, I'm gonna explain them to you, okay? I put them in three categories like a good preacher would. And uh, so I put them in three categories for you to understand. There are three, three different categories. I don't know how it's gonna come up on the screen. I trust them, but you just kind of roll with it with me, okay? Number one is formal or exact equivalency, okay? Essentially taking as close to the original text as possible. Okay, and translating, translating it culturally for you and I. That is the King James Version, the New King James Version, the NASB, and the ESV. You'll notice that when I preach, we put what version of the scripture is up on the screen because that's important to me that you know that. Okay, it's important to me that you know that. Then we have what's called functional equivalency. It's very close, but it's culturally translated for you and I to consume. Okay, it's culturally translated. That's like the New Living Translation, the Good News, the TEV, and the NIV. I will say a lot of times in my studies, I will start with the King James Version and I'll go to the New Living Translation and the NIV very often, okay, very often, okay? And then we have what's called a paraphrase or it's conversational, okay? Um, and and that's, that's the Living Bible and the message. Now, I'm gonna give you some examples of what this looks like. Let me give you an example of like real life. Let's play this out. 1 Corinthians 13. We all love it. It's the chapter on love. Uh, we, we love it. Okay, it's the love. All right, all right. KJV says this. Charity suffereth long and is kind and charity envieth not. All the ith, 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 ith right? <laughs> charity vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed up. I feel very official when I read that. The KJV, let me just tell you, is very valuable. It's very valuable. I use it in my study, but I have to be honest, it's not the easiest to read on a daily basis. It's not the easiest to read. Now, I will tell you, there are gonna be some people that watch this on the internet and they're gonna comment, KJV is the only way. Y'all are fake church, da, 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 da. Don't send me an email, I'm not gonna read it. Okay, don't do it. Some people will fight you on this like God is married to the Queen of England. Let me tell you, Jesus is not on the crown. He wears the crown, okay? That's not even in my nose. That's good preaching, though. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 13 and 4 NIV. Let's go to more of a, uh, the, the, the secondary. It's more of a, a, a functional equivalency. It says this, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Much easier to understand for you and I, right? Less of the Right? A little less. Well, then we get to the paraphrase, which I like to explain it like this. It's like the Bible with its hat turned around backwards. 
okay? It's like that Bible with a hat on backwards. Okay, here we go. 1 Corinthians 13 and 4. Love never gives up. Sounds like an R&B song. <laughs> Boys and men, where you at? We got them today. Love cares more for others than it does itself. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. My God, love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head. In the KJV, you would pronounce that swelled. The swelled head. Here's the, here's the deal. I'm just encouraging you to get a paper Bible. Get a paper. You understand the translations now. Get a paper Bible you can read and understand. Get a paper Bible that you can read and consume every day. Let me say this. I love technology. There is not many people in this world that love technology more than I have. If I can automate as many things as possible, I will wake up and automate my entire home. It'll be great. It'll be awesome. I love the YouVersion Bible app. I love it, okay? It's got over a billion people have downloaded. It's amazing. I love it. But I am giving you permission as your pastor right now to put that app aside for just a minute and take a break from the digital. Take a break from it. Just because it's easier does not mean it's most effective. Let me give you an example. How many times have y'all been reading your Bible on your phone or your iPad and a notification pops up and 30 minutes later, you're answering an email and you don't have time. Uh, you don't know what happened because now it's go time. You got to get ready for work. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I don't know where my quiet time went. This one doesn't have any notifications except from heaven. Church, don't get bogged down in a 75-day reading plan that's unattainable for you and you miss a few days and all of a sudden you got 42 chapters that you got to read tomorrow to catch up just in time and make sure you don't fall apart because you're OCD. I'm freeing you today. Start tomorrow. I'm freeing you. Start over. Be attainable, right? Okay, I got I to gotta move on. I got to hurry, okay? Number two, study the Bible. Don't just read it, study it, study it. Even get a study Bible if you want. Read the commentary on the history of the scripture. When you study the Bible, it studies you. When you study the Bible, it studies you. I have books of commentary that are older than me, that were gifted to me, and that are excellent resources. These are all translated on the, online and on your, on your, in a study Bible now as well. Let me give you two examples of a study Bible. I, I don't think it's on the screen, but uh, just the Life Application Bible, incredible, okay? If you wanna get that, go get it. Like it's on Amazon, get it, okay? Uh, the Spirit-Filled Life Bible, love that. I have that, I use that, it's amazing. Like great, just great, okay? These will make the Bible come alive to you, okay? Because once you understand the context, okay? It's those of you that like sports, it's like if you look at the box score, okay? It's like, oh, okay, they won, they lost. But if you watch the game, you get context, right? And it gives a little more, more buy-in. It's the same thing with the Bible. It's more than just looking at the box score. It's giving you context, okay? Number three, talk about the Bible, talk about the Bible. Here's what I've found. If I personally study the Bible and if I write profound notes in my journal, which I do every day, uh, and, 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 but if I don't talk it out with someone and make it a conversation, I forget all about it. 
How many times have we read an amazing devotion, spot on for our lives, what's go, with what's going on in your world, but then we get to the end of the day when we're having an awful day and all of a sudden it hits us. Man, I really could have used that devotion at lunch today, but I forgot about it. You've gotta find somebody to talk it out with. There are many times I'm sitting in my recliner and Carmen's worrying about kids and breakfast and doing all things, and I'm like, hey babe, what do you think about this? And we start, it initiates a conversation. I talk with Ryan about stuff. I talk with Sean about stuff. I even talk with my kids about stuff. Do you think he put two roaches on that boat? (laughs) Them things are nasty. You know what I'm saying? Like you start talking it out, make a conversation. Why? Because iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. Do you wanna retain what you're reading? Grow from it, talk it out. Talk it out. Here's another way you can do it. Join a life group. We're in the middle of the semester. Join it today. Go join a life group where you can talk out loud what you're learning, what you're learning. Just talk about the Bible and you'll retain it. Trust me, you will retain it. Now, I wanna go back to the T here. We've taken a few dips and all of a sudden, you can't see it really well, but that looks like tea. I'm not gonna drink it because tea is nasty, but... <laughs> It doesn't even look like water now, it's tea. When you have more dips, you end up looking like what the Bible illustrates for us to look like. It's more dips. This is my prayer for you in this series, so let me help you. Today I wanna help you to understand the Bible as a whole. And according to my timer, I'll be done about five o'clock today. And um, don't worry, we've got snacks. And... uh, no, I've got, I've got just a few minutes and I, I believe in myself, I got this. And so I'm gonna give you a basic understanding of the Bible right here. What is the Bible about? For us to test the Bible, we must have a basic understanding of it, okay? We're not going to be those people that will cast doubt on something they don't understand. We're not gonna be those people, okay? We're going to understand it. And if once we understand it, if you wanna cast doubt on it, that's fine. The word, the, the word of God is strong enough to, to, to fortify in that, inside of that, Okay? but we're gonna have understanding first. The Bible was written over a period of 1,600 years in a dozen countries on three continents by about 40 people in three different languages. The Bible was written by poets, prophets, farmers, kings, soldiers, shepherds, princes, priests, historians, fishermen, tax collectors, scholars, businessmen, and doctors. The Bible was written in caves, ships, palaces, prisons, deserts, The question is here, and it's a very valid question, how did all of those people come up with the same story without contradiction? There's gonna be more on this next week. I have historical and biblical proof that there's no contradiction in the Bible, and I cannot wait to share this with you next week. But So come back, bring somebody with you, all right? How can the Bible be trusted? How can it be trusted? The only way that the Bible could be trusted is that there is not over 40 authors of it. There is one author, and that is God. Y'all, the only way we could take 1,600 years to do a project and over 40 people and everybody get the same answer. Y'all, if I asked everybody how you made a bowl of cereal, we couldn't decide on whether you do the milk first or the cereal first by 100% consensus in this room. How could we do 1,600 years on a project with over 40 people and all get the same answer? The only way is this miracle could have happened is if God was the author of the books. 
If God was the author, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, NIV, all scripture is God-breathed. It's what? Well, I mean, the man could have decided he had a bad day and wanted to focus on this a little bit more. It's what? It's God-breathed. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. I know a lot of us, we like the teaching and the training, but we don't like the rebuking and the correcting. Um, and and so, the, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for the good, for every good work. It speaks to everything in your life today. The Bible does. Everything in your life, your time, your relationships, your money, your sex, your entertainment, your physical health, science. I will show you areas in the series where the Bible said things before the science community did. And I thoroughly believe God was up there. My Jesus was up there like, (laughs) I told y'all, right? The Bible works because the Bible is alive. In John 1, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. It's alive. If this Bible is true, which I believe it is, it should change our mindset on some things. Anytime you're faced with a big situation or something big in your life, the first question we should ask is, what does my Bible have to say about it? Some people have a tough time understanding it because they don't know how the Bible is grouped or laid out. They just pull out and they, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't know much. I was 11. I was like, man, I just want to know a little bit more and I want to read my Bible. And one of my friends told me, well, this is the way I do it. I was like, man, you seem really spiritual, so I'm going to do it your way. And so what I do is I just kind of turn to the middle and I go, and he made the most holy house and Length whereof was according to the breadth of the house, 20 cubits in breadth of what? Second Chronicles 2.15 ain't got nothing to do with me today. I can't get this. And so if you don't understand what this Bible is laid out with, let me tell you, that is the worst strategy of trying to read your Bible ever in the life. Don't do that. You're gonna end up with like Jesus wept. Well, why Jesus wepping? Like, <laughs> like you <laughs> don't do that, okay? Okay. You've got to have an understanding of how it's grouped out, how it's laid out here. First the thing that you've got to understand is it's not, the Holy Bible is not one book. It's 66 books, okay? It's 66 books bound together. And the thing that OCD people are really going to struggle with today is that they're not organized chronologically. Whew, I know. Take a deep breath. We're going to be okay. We're going to make it through this. Not organized chronologically. Now, there is a chronological Bible that if you want to go buy that, that's great. I think it's a great resource. Um, and, and so, but it does not read like a book that you would typically read. So let me kind of give you how it's grouped uh, in, in your normal layout, okay? Uh, first five books, law books. That's Genesis through Deuteronomy. And that's the law books, the beginning of time uh, through that. And so uh, history books, Joshua, that's 12 books, uh, Joshua through Esther. Then there are poetry books, Job, uh, five books here, poetry, Job through the Song of Solomon, married people. I encourage you to go there, praise God. Um, and, and prophecy books, <laughs> y'all didn't laugh because y'all ain't read it lately, so <laughs> go read it and, uh, and come back to me. So prophecy books, there are 17 of these, okay? 17 books, great books. Uh, they're made up in two sections, the major prophets and the minor prophets. And really the only difference in them and how they're laid out is major prophets are longer. <laughs> That's it. And mine are a little shorter, okay? And so you got five major prophets, Isaiah through Daniel, and you got 12 minor prophets, Hosea, Hosea through Malachi. Then there was 400 years of complete silence. 
complete silence, right? There, the Greek conquest happened in this time, Alexander the Great, all of that. And then Jesus comes on the scene. The New Testament begins. The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you don't know, these are four accounts of the same story. And I want to encourage you, when, as we approach Easter, uh, there are many great reading plans uh, for you to kind of look at the, the, the journeys of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and actually just kind of look at their perspectives in that. My favorite is Luke uh, because he's kind of a detail guy. And so check that out. Uh, the book of Acts, which is like a historical, of, uh, historical record of the first church. Okay? We, we believe, you know, for us, we strive to be a book of Acts church, okay? Because that is the first New Testament um, vision of what the church is supposed to look like. So we want to, uh, we want to live that out in 2022. And so then you have the epistles, um, which are not the wives of the apostles, okay? Uh, that is Romans through Jude. There are 21 of them, great wisdom and context and understanding there. Uh, and then you have Revelation, it is not the revelations, it is revelation. And that is the prophecy of the last days and eternity. So that helps me on how to put it together, but what does it mean? For this introduction of the good book, this is, this is the question that I wanted to answer in your life. What is the big idea? What does God want with you with all of this? This big picture, what does God have for you? And, and this is the entire, my, my entire message, this is where I wanted to get to right here, okay? And so the plot, it's the mirror image. Everybody say the mirror image. The mirror image. The entire story of the Bible, I'm gonna give it to you right here, okay? The entire plot. The first part of the plot was there was God and righteous people in paradise. God and righteous people in paradise. That was obviously in the Garden of Eden in Genesis. Well, then Satan... And sin enter. They enter. Church, what I know for sure is that when Satan enters, there's a separation from God and chaos in your life. So if you feel like you're separated and you feel like there's chaos in your life, you might need to look at the symptoms. Well, then the world was judged and destroyed. We know the story of Noah's Ark and all of what happened there. The world was judged and destroyed. Well, from there, there was a one world government system. Human, humans essentially tried to put the chaos together and say, God, we can do it without you. We don't really need you. We can do all the things. We don't have to have your help. Well, then from there, there God created 12 tribes, God's holy people. He gave them laws that were all on the external. Even external laws. How do you please, how do you not just get forgiven of your sin? How do you push your sin ahead a year? Now, all external, these laws. Well, then this 400 years of silence happens and it's kind of half of history. And then something amazing happens. Jesus. Jesus happens. Jesus comes and then we end up here. Jesus enters and he establishes 12 disciples and the church God's holy people. This is how I want my church to look. This is how I will build my church. Not on perfection because Peter was a wimp, but he also told Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. Not on perfection, not on doing all the things right on the external, but on who you are in the internal. Where is your heart? Right? Then next he says, then 
The next is this one world government system. And I just have to be honest with you, I'm gonna give you my opinion here. I'm not an expert in eschatology, but where I truly believe we are is right there. Where this world is getting to the point where it's like, we don't need you, God, we're gonna do our own thing. We just need us and our oil and gas and we need all of our money and all of our stock options and we'll be okay. We don't need God. And I'll let church, let me just tell you, that's the most dangerous place to be. The most dangerous place to be. Uh, wars, rumors of wars. Honestly, things that were preached to me, uh, preached that I remember as kids, uh, as a kid, they're coming to pass now. That I thought, oh, this will never happen in my life. It's happening. It's right, right in front of us. We're seeing it happen. The next, the next thing to happen is this world will be judged and destroyed. We will stand before God one day. And the hope is that we would hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well, then after that, the joyous day, Satan and sin exit. He will be thrown into a bottomless pit where he can no longer rule, change, mess with your emotions. He can never influence again. And then finally we find God and redeemed people in paradise. Here's what I love. The closest word to paradise from the original translation to our language, it's not actually paradise, it's resort. I love that. Too many people have this really messed up version of what heaven is going to be like. And inside of that, we live for the now because we're like, ah, heaven doesn't really sound that great. And we think paradise is not that great. When Christians, we should have eternity to look forward to. It's paradise. We get to live with our savior and redeemed in paradise. So what is the subject of the Bible? I hope I'm helping somebody here today. What is the subject of the Bible? Oh, it's us, right? It's me, it's you. We're the subject. No, no. We're the object. We're the object of the Bible. Who is the subject? Jesus. He's what everything is centered around. The subject of the Bible is Jesus. Everywhere you go, you will find Jesus there. John 5, 39 says you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to to me, Jesus said. Every book, he's there. So what's the subject? It's Jesus. What's the verb? Well, Pastor Mike, it's probably love. Love is probably the verb. That's the answer to everything in Sunday school besides Jesus. It's Jesus and love. Now that's close, but the verb of the Bible is give. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. First John 3 and 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. This is what the Bible is all about. You know, this week I just met, I was sitting at Starbucks on Rayford and I just met with a man in our church and I was sitting there, I was about to dive in with some study and working on today. And this lady comes up to me, young lady, and she's like, hey, are you a preacher? It's like, I love that question. (laughs) Except for when I need to study. And so, to be honest with you, I was a little annoyed. I was like, yes, I am. How how can I help you? And she sits, 
She literally sits down next to me and I'm like, all right, cool, let me close my laptop. We're gonna do this thing. And uh, she starts telling me, she's like, me and my husband just got married. And my husband was such a strong believer. But through the last two years in the pandemic and he got hurt and he's struggling so much in his faith journey. And I heard you talking to that man that you were meeting with and you were encouraging him so much. I just wanna know, how can I encourage my husband? Cause he needs hope. I talked with her a little bit and explained and just tried to give her some things, practical things that she could do. She was like, she said, is it okay if I call you pastor? I was like, sure. We met five minutes ago, it's cool. But she said, pastor, would you mind to pray for me? So I was like, absolutely. In five minutes, I go from annoyed to inspired. And I take her hands and I pray with her and she starts crying. Church, let me just tell you, we're living in a world that is desperate for something to hold on to. Something to hold on to. That lady told me, she said, I wasn't even supposed to come to this coffee shop today. I was supposed to go to the one on the other side of the highway, but I just decided to come to this one today. But now I thoroughly believe that God put me here because now I have some strength that I can stand and my marriage can make it. We can make it, we can make it, we can make it. Church, listen to me here. The verb of the Bible is being lived out through you and I today. Because 99 out of 100 people, 99 people will read the Christian and not the Bible. The verb of the Bible is being lived out through you and I. Roderick and Adina, where are you at? Adina, come here, where's Roderick? He's serving in safety, come here. Roger, come here, hurry, 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 hurry. I need you up fast, 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 come on. Barrier breakers, let's go. Come on up. The verb of the Bible is to give and to serve and to love. Roderick and Adina have recently take over, taken over our outreach ministry right here at the church. This next Saturday, we have an opportunity to give and love to our city. We're going out to Woodlands Family Fun Fest. We're gonna give out water. We're gonna give out hot chocolate because we don't know what it's gonna do in Texas. We're just gonna be prepared either way. We're gonna give out water, we're gonna give out hot chocolate. We're gonna have a booth set up next to it that if people want us to pray with them, we will pray with them right in the middle of Town Green Park out there. Here's what I want you to do. If you're inspired by this, the verb of the Bible, the subject is Jesus, the verb is to give. If you're inspired by this, I want you to reach out and you talk to this amazing couple and you sign up. I wish we'd have a hundred people out there praying for folks in the, in the park next week. I wish we'd have a hundred people out there inspired. I wish we'd see a hundred people saved next week in the park. Oh, it's not Sunday. I don't care. Let's do it. We're, uh, hey, this church is just a building. Let's go out. I wanna encourage you, talk to this amazing couple after church. Get, their, uh, get signed up, get connected. This Saturday, March 12th, we're going out. We're making this thing big. We're gonna make Jesus known because this, is, this, this, this thing is way too big to stay in this wall. It's way too big. Y'all love Roger and Adina? Give it up for him. come on. Stand with me, stand with me. I gotta close, I gotta close. 
Whether we're reading the Bible for the first time or standing in a field in Israel next to a historian or an archaeological, I can't even say that word, or a scholar, it doesn't matter. The Bible meets you where you're at. The Bible meets you where you're at. That's what truth does. Maybe today you're far from God. Maybe you're far from God. Now is the best time for you to get right with God. Maybe you've let sin rule your heart, rule your life, and you've walked away from God. Let me just tell you, now is the day for you to repent. Turn away from your sin. The God of the Bible, Jesus Christ, the subject of the Bible, is here with open arms, ready to take you in. All you have to do is repent from your sin, give your life to Him, and start brand new. Start brand new. You've got to build your life on Him, on His cause, on His kingdom, and see what He will do with your life because it's not about you. It's about Him and Him working through you. That's what this book is about. Every head bowed, every eye closed across this room. Maybe that's you today and you want to give your life to Jesus. You want to surrender your life to Him. You want to, you want to turn away from your sinful desires. You want to start over. Would you let it be known just by lifting your hands right now? You want to start over? Come on, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Come on, that's awesome. I see you, sir. I see you. Come on, look at those hands. That's awesome. That's awesome. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Pray out loud with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. I turn away from my yesterdays. I surrender to you. I know that you died on a cross for me so I could be saved, so I could be redeemed, so I could build my life on a firm foundation. I repent of my sin. I turn away from it and I turn towards your word. God, I give my life to you. I give my heart to you and I surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on right now. Can we clap our hands and thank God for the people that gave